0: Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Hope this message from Good News Company blesses you. Find us on Instagram and Facebook and enjoy the message. ...and be a part of this thing. So that's super exciting. Knights of Fire, saved. Harvey's 25th anniversary, Emerging Leaders, the Book of Ephesians, Kids Fun Fest, God's doing amazing things. Yeah. I'm super excited, but we're going to jump into the Word now because I believe if you've got your journal, make sure you keep it. Uh, let's go. You can turn to week two. You can read that overview, summary, um, pre- Oh, memory verse. It's memory verse time, guys. Uh, I don't know if it, I'm not going to test you. That's okay because the Holy Spirit will test you. So uh, make sure you jump on there. Make sure you remember the memory verse. I uh, I believe it was along the, uh, along the lines of um, praying that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know him better. Does that sound about right to anyone else? No? David saying no? Okay, well, let's listen to David. David, what is it? <laughs> Sounds good. Awesome. <laughs> Halfway. Halfway. That's fine. So week two overview, that's going to give you like some helpful information. Um, I just want to remind you, in case you weren't here last week, um, or, or maybe you knew, once a year at our church, we want to spend a bit of time going through a book of the Bible, through it all. Okay, why? Because uh, we we believe that the Bible is so important, so relevant, and uh, we don't want the depth of it to get lost. And so we want to really take our time reading God's Word, studying God's Word, looking at the little... Theological terms and doctrinal positions that Paul or the other writers will lay out and, and learning some, some things that got like exploring concepts and looking at words and, and diving a little, leaning into the text. And so maybe you want to prepare your spirit to lean in by leaning in physically and saying, I'm ready to hear what God has to say. I'm, I'm excited. Um, next week, actually, uh, Bethany, she'll be preaching next Sunday night. So that you won't want to miss that. That's going to be amazing, Ephesians 3. And then later on, we're going to round out this series with a very special guest preacher coming to share uh, Ephesians 6. Okay, so I'm just laying it all out. that We've got some exciting things coming. If you don't want to miss a week in church, get into a life group, make it all happen. Last week, we looked at Ephesians 1. And we learnt the fact that we have the best seat in the house. The best seat in the house. Because we're positioned in Christ. Because we're not positioned in fear or worry or sin. uh, But we're positioned in Christ in the heavenly realms. How awesome was Beth with the uh, communion message just now? Come on, let's encourage her in this place. We're positioned in Christ. We recognise our position. We utilise his power. We unify with his people. Um, Ephesians, the first three chapters we've been sort of learning, the first three th- chapters really deals with our identity as the church. It, it looks at what we believe. And then the next three verses, four through six, uh, tell us how we should behave because of what we believe. It's very structured, very ordered. And so the first three weeks, we're, we're really excited because we were learning just, boom, week after week, who we are in Christ, who we are in Christ and, and what He's done for us. And we're the, we're the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the temple of God. Uh, we're all these things. And so we're learning who... We uh, Tonight, I really felt the Holy Spirit lead me to Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to preach from two verses in Ephesians chapter 2. Young Zeal, you're going to help me. We're going to bring this back, okay? I know we're just minimal on the front row here and a couple on the second row, but we're going to bring this back, okay? Uh, we're going to the book of Ephesians, obviously. Ephesians chapter 2, obviously. Not so obvious, though, is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Okay, we're going to have to really work on that. Okay, guys, like maybe we can practice after church, but that's a good start. I'm really happy with how that's going. Um, I want to write, we get excited about the word of God um, because it's so good. It says this, Ephesians chapter 2, 12, 13. It's on the screens as well. It says, remember, everyone say, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise Without hope and without God in the world. Now verse thirteen is a banger it says, but now come on, somebody, that will preach right there. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I'm gonna read that powerful verse one more. But now in Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by by the blood of Christ. So titled this week, chapter two, you can write this in your title, Close the Gap. Close the Gap. I'm going to pray right now and really ask the Holy Spirit to help uh, us all here tonight. You ready? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask for your help. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. amen, amen. Thank you, Grace. Let's give it up for Grace. We're just clapping amen. for everyone. So good. Amen. Um, this week, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe uh, my friend up the back, Stuart, he'll, he'll know this, um, but this week, the Euro 2021 games, I, I'm sorry to bring it up, okay. Euro 2021 game. that's soccer, okay, in case you're wondering what's that, that's soccer, uh, the, grand, the, the, final, the grand final was on between England and Italy. Uh, now... I, I really like soccer. Okay, it's football, real football. Okay, and uh, sorry, oh, I shouldn't start like that. And uh, okay, so Euro twenty twenty one, and it was Italy versus England. Now, if you don't know, my my, I'm half English. Okay, my mum was born in London, so she was sipping you know sipping tea with the Queen, you know, she was chasing the um the uh, doves up in front of Buckingham Palace, the whole works. Okay, um. So, I didn't, I mean, I didn't watch the game, but I, I looked at the highlights afterwards, the day afterwards, and, um, and unfortunately, the motherland, okay, lost. Oh, well, actually, it ended in a draw. It ended one to one. Now, if you don't watch soccer, you're like, one point, that's not a lot of points. That's pretty normal in soccer, okay? So, one to one, and it came to a penalty shootout. And uh, if you don't know anything else about soccer, but the penalty shootout, especially the grand final, it's like a pretty, it's a pretty big deal. Uh, What it is, it's a striker versus the goalkeeper. And they've literally got, you know, a certain amount of shots each. And depending on who wins, between the goalkeeper and the striker wins the game. So it's a lot of pressure on both the the striker, the, the shooter, and the goalkeeper. My little sister, it's funny, she's, She's her mum is, which is my mum, obviously, is uh, is uh, English. She's from England, so she's half English. But her dad's from Italy, so she was a bit like split down the middle. So she both won and lost all at once. So that was um, that was pretty impressive. But uh, maybe you don't know about this uh, this about me, but maybe you do. I I understand the, this goalkeeper's pressure when I was watching the highlight reel. Uh, and the reason I understand the pressure that this goalkeeper had, with the whole eyes of the world watching him, uh, it's because I grew up and I, I, was, I played soccer growing up. Regents Park, Parkridge Panthers, both teams. Uh, that was a, that was really cool. So I obviously understand like that sort of pressure, right? So I've been in a penalty shootout. Okay, maybe not in front of the stadium, but it felt like it all the time. Um, so I grew up actually just for fun. i got a photo of me. Uh, I'm about nine years old here, in my goalkeeping uniform, um, I'm just got to settle a vote, okay? If you know our son Oscar, hands up if you think that looks like Oscar. Two, three. Hands up if you think that doesn't look like Oscar. I came not I'm like, look at this! And I put them side by side, and she's like, no. I'm like, look at the face, it's a whiny looking face. At least the whiny looking face looks like Oscar. I love him, I love him. So that's me, you cake. Have a good look. Okay, we can turn that off now. Thank you. Go back. Go back one. So, um, so I grew up playing soccer, and and when I when I first started, I played for about I don't know six years between under sevens to like under thirteen, something like that. Uh, really big deal stuff, right? And uh, but when I first started playing in the goalkeeper position, um, every now and then what would happen was the strikers would break through the defensive line, and it's the goalkeeper's, it's, then it's all on the goalkeeper, right? He's been the, the striker's broken through the defense, and now it's all on the goalkeeper, and I remember when I first started playing that role, the, uh, the striker broke through the defense. When I say broke through the defense, I just mean the ball flung out from the whole group of kids that were just all running around the ball, and somehow it just got kicked that way, and one kid was faster than the rest of them, so there's no strategy involved. If you ever watch kids' soccer, it's just like, kids, ball. The whole group, the whole team, like the goalkeepers there, everyone's there. Anyway, th- this happened, and uh, and and I'm away from the goal line, okay? Because the goalkeeper, I'm trying to explain soccer to Australians, but um, the goalkeeper is out here, and you know, if it's up there, the goalkeeper's off his line. But when it breaks through, in my head, the first thing that I'm sort of doing at this moment, when I first started in this role, is I start running backwards. I, I, I start, the striker's coming towards me with the ball, and in that moment, I'm like running back. I'm like, uh, uh, look, I'm, I'm, cr- I'm trying to create a bigger gap between me and the striker. Oh, watch that edge there. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. And so I'm creating this distance between the guy who's about to shoot against me and, 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 and myself. And, and that never really worked. I, I often would lose that until one time my trainer, <laughs> my trainer the coach, the trainer, the guy that I thought was like, you know, he was just some part-time dad volunteering at the thing. And he, he began to say to me, Kieran, when that happens, you've got to close the gap. Like you can't run backwards. You can't keep a distance. You've got to close the gap. And that's the most terrifying thing in the world as a goalkeeper because what they're asking you to do is instead of running away From the striker running with his boots and his his spikes and things like that, you have to run towards him, okay, at the right time, you've got to run towards him, you've got to close the gap and then just dive at his feet as he's running. (laughs) Terrifying. Because you're gonna get a face, a boot in a face or something like that. You understand, hey Stuart, it's like that's what you gotta do. Oh and Rachel, yeah, you gotta do that. And so and so this would happen, right? They'd t- train me to secure it, close the gap, close the gap, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna close the gap, I'm gonna do it. And then what would happen is in the game that would happen, right? They would break out and they're running towards me. And and my instinct, right? My my instinct to save my life is to, to back away, is to create a create distance. But then from the sideline, I hear, go, go closer, go here, and run, run. And I'm like, oh, you gotta close the gap, close the gap, you're to close the gap, you got to close the gap, and I'm G myself up, and I'm gonna do it, I'm close it, and I'm sorry, I'm running, and you got to run, and you dive, and I'm diving at the uh, the person's feet. And to, in order to close this gap to save the goal, why? Because, you know, uh Angles, right? The closer you are, the less sort of angle they have to shoot into the goals. So you've got to get closer to reduce the angles, throw them off, intimidate them, all that sort of stuff. Big and scary, right? You've got to close the gap. The entire Bible, and you can write this down the entire Bible is God's supreme plan to close the gap between Himself and you. The entire Bible from Genesis all the way through the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament, in landing and Revelation, the entire Bible is God's plan to close the gap between you and him. You can find it all through the word, even before the very beginning. He had a plan to close the gap between you and I. And we're looking at Ephesians 2 tonight. And Ephesians 2 is filled with gaps that God has filled. We're going to look at just two tonight. Two gaps that God has filled. But uh, he has filled them through Christ. So we're going to look at some gaps that we created, but God filled. How many of us have ever made a a problem for ourselves, but then God fixed it for us? And God said, "I'm I'm going to bail you out. Well, Jesus is like the ultimate gap filler. I don't know if you've ever renovated, created or done any work around the house. Our, 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 our house that we just moved out of and, and we, we built it and it basically was built with, with a crowbar and gap fill. <laughs> a gap fill is used when there's two things that are supposed to be together, right? That was the plan. The plan was for this wall and, or this skirting to be close to this And that's the plan. This is how it's supposed to be. But oftentimes, stuff gets bent out of shape. Things get lost. Things get broken. The measurements were off. Someone made a mistake, and now there is a gap where there was never meant to be a gap. You come along, you bring the gap fill. Jesus is gap fill for us and God. Where we were meant to be together, where we were designed to be together, where that was the plan all along, but we messed up, we broke it, we created a distance, and God said, I'm not content with the distance. I want you to be close to me. I want there to be no gap between you and me, so I'm sending Jesus, God the gap filler. God the gap filler, I like that. And Jesus, he was not afraid to close the gap between you and Jesus and you and God. He was not afraid. He ran towards us. And not just diving at our feet, but he dove at our sin to close the gap. Jesus is a gap filler. You can write this down. This is like the first sort of point out of two. Jesus closes the gap between our guilt and his grace. Jesus closes the gap between our guilt and his grace. Last week I was at one end of the hallway and Jasper, our, our nearly two-year-old, um, if anyone can interpret his language for us, we'd love that. That should be a new app. They even got Interpretation. He's at one end of the, house, of the hallway and I'm at the other. And I can't remember exactly what sort of happened, but he got in trouble of some kind. He was doing something and I said, Jasper, like, like that. Anyway, he got in trouble. And instantly, he, uh, straight away, this is what he does. He feels the shame, right? He feels the guilt of messing up. His dad is angry at him now. I'm so angry, you know. And this is what he does. This is initial, he does a Michael Jackson on me. He he leans back like this, up on his toes. He goes like this, but he's trying. What's he trying to? He's trying to get as far away as possible from me. But not only that, he's crying. But not only that. Oh man, my back's gonna give out. Pastor's back gives out. He's like this, but not only does he get he's keeping his eyes on me, fixed on me, and he's and then he's walking backwards like this and I'm just there I'm not moving and he will just keep he just kept going and going and if you're a parent you've seen this you've experienced this you've laughed at this he's going and going he doesn't take his eyes off you but he's creating a gap and he'll just keep going until something stops him whether it's a piece of furniture a wall a couch a ledge he'll just keep going creating as much gap as he can Between the shame that he feels and the guilt that he has. And the interesting thing is that we still do that today. You and I still try to create gaps between us and God. And the devil, which you're going to read this week uh, when you read uh, The Prince of the Power of the Air and the deceiver that's the that's the devil okay you can you don't have to get to the commentary for that that's just the devil the devil loves it when we do that he loves it when we ee- 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 like this why because it plays perfectly into his strategy for us when we create a gap and distance between us and god that plays right into the devil's strategy because separation is the devil's strategy separation is the devil's plan for your life it's the plan for our life. it's the plan for the church it's the plan for people to separate his plan is to separate you from one another his plan is to separate you from your partner your your husband your wife your kids his plan is to separate you from the church his plan is to separate you from God. His plan is to create as much. He's not gap filled. He's like the wedge that gets put in between a gap to hit to create more space. His whole goal, his whole plan is to try and separate us from God. And at times, you know, we've done a lot of work with youth ministry, obviously, and spent a lot of time with young people and after youth and on coffee dates and, and hearing them say, and not just youth, adults too, say, I just need some space. I just need like I, I just need a space. And sometimes that, that is healthy and wise depending on the context. Usually if it's in a toxic situation, yeah, that's fine. But, but so often we've felt like someone has like felt hurt or, or offended or, or broken or something and they decide the best option is to create some space from God thinking, you know what, if I just separate myself or, or move away from the church or create distance from that place, from that thing, that will make it better. But that's playing in to the devil's strategy. You don't need space. We, 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 we when we create space between us and God, we are creating the space that Jesus died to fill. I don't want to undo God's work on the cross by, by. Suck it we we can't undo it but by sucking its power away. He died so we could be close. And sometimes we just consciously decide I don't want to be close and we create space. And that's the devil's strategy. And the thing is, is humanity has been doing this since the beginning. Humanity's been trying to distance itself from God since the very start. Even Adam and Eve. What happens, right? They, they, they eat the fruit and they feel shame. They sin. They feel guilt. And now all of a sudden they start to play hide and seek with God. Now just think about that. He, they're playing hide and seek with God who's omniscient. He knows everything. And omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. Try playing hide and seek who knows with someone who knows everything and is everywhere at once. And God's so fun because he just plays along. He's walking through. the Adam, where are you? He knows. He's about three bushes down to the left, four, in, four meters in, and I'm there already. You know, Adam, I'm here. But what are they they're trying to create distance from God? I think about Jonah. He is creating distance from the call of God. And he's creating distance from his destiny because he is scared. He's trying to run from God. At the cross, we even see it with Jesus. He spent three years training, discipling, pouring his life into 12 friends. And at the cross, there's just two of them remaining and one of them's his mom. And at the cross, all of the other disciples abandoned, create a distance from their disappointment. Because they thought Jesus was going to be the one that would overthrow the Romans. And Jesus would be the one that was going to set up his kingdom. Wasn't he talking about that? They had no idea that his kingdom wasn't a physical kingdom, but a spiritual kingdom. Come to rule and reign not for a generation, but for eternity. And so when they thought the plan didn't go the way it was meant to go, they created distance from the disappointment they felt. And they ran. So even at the very cross, we're still trying to create distance. And human difficulties. And human problems and every issue that we can face and imagine all comes out of being separate from God. Life, if life comes from God and to be enjoyed in his presence, the only solution to difficulties is proximity to God. Like, guys, this is what we were created to do. We were designed, we were, we, were, we were created to be in close proximity to God, to be in his presence. That's what Jesus did. The moment Jesus died, the temple at the curtain that was meant to signify, right? The, 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 and the outer temple from the inner, the Holy of Holies, where God's presence uh, resided, the curtain was split. Not from the bottom up, as if man could do it, but from the top down, as if only God can split this thick curtain. And we're designed to be in his presence. And that's why when we come together to worship, that's why we come together to lift up his name, whether it's big or small, whether it's that youth alive with craziness and and, and hundreds of people, or it's just in our building, with our awesome man, it's way better than Planet Boom, by the way. Uh, And and, and this space, it doesn't matter because we were designed to be in his presence. But how many know you can be distant even while you're present? So it's not just about being in the building, it's about being in God. It's about your heart being here. It's about your mind being here. And we'll talk about that another time. But man, presence. We're designed to be in his presence. And God, he knew something about us that I knew about Jasper the other week. He knew what I knew about Jasper. I know about Jasper. I know that in his little brain, and it is little, he has no capacity. He has no ability It is not in him to go from this to go, okay, like I'm going to come. He, He has no chance to be able to comprehend that he can do this with how he's feeling. Because he's a baby, right? He knows that there's no way he can do it. And God knew that about us. He said, there is no way. That humanity that is trying to distance itself from me, that's, that's feeling the guilt and the shame, is, is going to be able to stop and come to me. And so God says, I really want this. I really want this relationship to work. I really want to know these people. I really want to be in relationship with the people I created. And so he said, if they can't come to me, I'm going to come to him or to them, to us, to you. God knew that you weren't able to do it. So he did it for with Jasper. In that moment, he's walking away. His eyes are locked on me, but he's creating distance. And God does what I did in this moment. I stooped down. And I came down, and the kids can join me because we're going to wrap up in a sec. And I stooped down and I had my arms open like this. And I'm like, come on, Jazzy. It's okay. Like, you don't have to run. You don't have to run. And God stooped down. He stoops down, and then I had to close the gap. Jasper. Us, your sin, we're never going to be able to close the gap. God came down, stooped down. Just think about that. Imagine how much the other week, me and Oscar, we created an ant farm. And we were out um, collecting ants for his ant farm. So much fun, actually. I really, you know, it's a good couple of days fun. And uh, I was thinking about these ants. And I'm like, these ants have their whole world down here. Like, I, I don't want to be an ant. Like I'm looking at these ants like, sure, they just cruise around, digging tunnels, cool. But I wouldn't want to be an ant. Like That does not sound fun to me. Um, and then I thought about my relationship with God. And the ant has no comprehension of me, my world, what I know, what I can do. And then I thought about God and us and how we have no comprehension about how big God is. And everywhere. and then I thought, what would it take? There's an ant right here. I can see it. It's a green ant. I hate it. But this purpose I love it. I see the ant and I'm thinking, imagine I see this ant and I know it's going to die. The only way for me to, to save it is if I stoop down and become an ant. How much do you have to love the ant to stoop down, become an ant in order to save the colony. And I think, there's no way I would do that. I'll just wash it and move on. (laughs) And then I'm thinking, my goodness, how much does God love you and I? That He would stoop down, step out of the reality and the, the eternity of heaven, wrap skin and bone on, step Out of all majesty, where angels and elders and beasts and and all authority is his, and the majesty stepped out of that place, subject himself to the pains and trials and sufferings of this world to become nothing but a tiny little human in order to save us. He stooped down. And so I stooped down with Jasper, and I come and I I close the gap. I close the gap between Jasper and myself, just like God came close the gap with us. And this is why one of Jesus' favorite one-liners as a preacher, as he roamed the earth for three years, he, he had this favorite phrase he would just spit out. He would say, repent, because the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. It's not far away. It's not off in a distant land. It's not someday when you die and go to eternity. The kingdom of heaven is near. He is close to you. He is close to me. He is close to your family. He is close to our church. He is close to our city. The kingdom of heaven is near. We were once far away, but God, through Jesus, has brought us near. I'm so thankful I have a God who brought us near. The other other gap. So the verse is, he closed the gap between our guilt and his grace. The other thing, though, and this is a bit of a turn in the other direction, but sometimes Paul does that. And I'm not trying to force a message in here. I'm just trying to preach what the message says. So sometimes i just follow on Paul. But one of the other gaps that Jesus closes, it says it on the screen, he closes the gap between our purchase and our purpose. He closes the gap between our purchase and purpose. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And that's a bit of a doctrinal sentence that I encourage you to dig into and study when you get to these verses this week. Especially you youth guys, because that is something that you're going to have to understand that we are saved by grace. In other words, there's nothing we could do. It's all a free gift from him, but we receive that free gift through faith. Through believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. That is faith. And this is not from yourselves, which is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So that's the purchase. He purchased us. But verse 10, for we are God's handiwork. We're created in Christ to do good works. So to do something, to have a purpose, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. So we were purchased, but for a purpose. I don't know how many of you have been to Bunnings and you just... Actually, this is not true. Most of the men have just gone there to buy something with no real reason to buy it. We just, that looks cool, I'm going to get it. But usually, we don't buy something unless we've got a purpose for it. Whether it's just to look good in our house or to do a task. And Jesus, He purchased us for a purpose. And it's our goal to figure out, am I doing what God has prepared for me to do. This week, I um, got a call from Bethany. She was on her way to um, a pastor's gathering. And um, I got a call from her and she said, Kieran, I've, I've got a flat tire. <laughs> Every husband loves to hear that. And um, I had both the boys at the time and I was on the way to take Oscar to school. It's just a really inconvenient time, by the way. <laughs> um, and I'm like, okay, where are you? Drop a pin, I'll come out to you. I'll fix it up. And so I drove. I drove there, and uh, we sort of swapped kids. And she took one, and I took the other. I'm like, I said to Oscar, Oscar, before school, you're going to get a, a real lesson. I'm going to show you how to change a tire. Oscar, pay attention. I want you to focus. Come on, this is going to be the time. I'm going to show you how to do this. He's like, cool. He can't wait. He's pumped, right? So I get there, we do the swap, she takes the car. That's what it is to be a wife. It's like, broken down, husband just comes. She just, thank you, takes the other car. I'm there, with some random staff car park over school. Anyway. I'm like, okay, let's go watch this. I get the, get the, open the boot, get the the snare out. Get the tool out. I got all the tools. I was impressed. Had the jack, had the the wrenchy thing. Look, I have no idea about cars. I know how to do two things. Change the tyre and check the oil. And that's it. That's all I know. I don't know what to do with when the oil comes out. Like, I don't know. That's what I need Brandon for. Um, anyway, so I'll, I'll check it out. So I get jacked. I start jacking up just a little bit. Take the weight off the Oh, Actually, I forgot the piece that helps to turn it. Like, the, the, the stand, doesn't it? <laughs> And then I get the wrench thing and I put the thing on. I'm like, so I'll score what you do. You get this, you put it on there. And then you've got to turn it. The bolts come off. Change the tire. Boom, bada bing. Let's go. Go to school on time. The bolts wouldn't come off. (laughs) And for about 20 minutes, I've got the thing on there. I'm putting all my, I'm like jumping on it. I'm like pulling it. It's, it's on their tongue. I'm like, what is going on? I'm pulling, and there's people walking around. I'm starting to feel like, oh, this is embarrassing. And, and I'm pulling the, 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 every single one wouldn't come off. I'm like, what is going on here? This is ridiculous. I'm like trying to do it. And so I, I did what everyone, you know, what every other man would do. I called my dad. <laughs> I called Peter. called Peter and said, Peter, listen, like, I know you're busy and everything. <laughs> I said, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe you've got some tips for me, but broken down, this is what's happening. And um, I can't get the bolts off. And he said some stupid thing to me. He said, he said Oh, have you taken the plastic cover off? Like, you don't have the. Th- I'm like, Peter, what do you think? I'm stupid. <laughs> Did I take the plastic cover off? Yes, it's, not, it's no plastic colour, it's a mag wheel, thank you. He's like, okay, okay. I, I didn't think so, he says. I was just checking. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't have no, like, WD-40. You got one of those power thingies? He's like, um, have you got the, is it really on there snug? I'm like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> obviously it's on there. He's like, okay. I'm like, look, I'll figure it out. Thanks, thanks for nothing. Hang up the phone, Oscar. We're going to do this. Yeah, I'll show you. I'm looking at, like, oh, what is going on? I'm thinking, I'm doing everything. No cover. It's on there, nice and tight. Lefty loosey, righty tighty. Lefty loosey, righty tighty. I've been turning it the wrong way for twenty minutes. on there, I'm like jumping on it I'm like trying to pull, I'm like one foot on it, all I'm doing is tightening them more and more every single one and here I am Peter, what do you think I'm stupid I said to myself in that moment, I'm not telling anyone about this and then sermon, so it's all for the gospel what's happening here in this moment, is I have the right tool it's being used the wrong way. I had the purpose right, but the direction was wrong. And so often we can be putting all of our weight, all of our strength, all of our energy into doing something that we were never designed to do. And we will burn ourselves out and make a fool of ourselves. What we've got to do is realize, God, you purchased me, but you've given me a purpose too. And I've got to be moving in the right direction. I can't be going in the wrong way. I can't be putting all my effort, all my strength into a a purpose you haven't designed for me. I've got to follow what you've created me to do. I've got to go left, not right. I'll never forget that. I want to say, God, what's your purpose for me? What did you design me to do? What gifts have you given me? What talents have you given me? What assets, what good things have you put in my life and how can I use them for the glory of God? If I've got a gift of singing or I've got a a gift of generosity or I've got a gift of encouragement or hospitality or I've got a gift with creative arts or drawing or designing or I've got a gift in construction or this or that, I, I don't care what the gift is, whatever is laid on your heart to do, you can do it, but you've got to do it the right way. And you've got to do it the way He's designed you, He's purposed you to bring Him glory. You've been purchased for a purpose. Why don't we stand right now? We want to ask the question, God, how do you want me to move? Which direction do you want me to go? Which way do you want me to go? How can I use what you've brought me? You've brought me with such a high price. I don't want to waste it. I don't want to kill this opportunity. I want to move the way you design me to move. Why don't you close your eyes right now? I just feel...